So my name is Josh. I um, I'm new here, kind of. I've been here for four months. I moved here from um, Illinois. I lived in a suburb called Glen Ellen. It's about 30 minutes, say 30 or 35 minutes out of Chicago. Um, I say Chicago sometimes because it's like I I can see Chicago if I go out to this hill right by my house. I see the city right up. So and it's train rides pretty quick. Um, yeah, but I I live in Glen Ellen. It's a it's a really nice suburb. It's um yeah, it's it's pretty nice. I was pretty fortunate to live there. Um, so I'm going to share about um, kind of my struggles about really I guess briefly three. Another one might pop up. I don't know. And just kind of the Bible verses that have been speaking to me this year and ones I've been carrying with me. One that I've been carrying with me my entire life and just how probably I really have came to believe in it and trusted God in it just probably three years ago. So, alright, so I was um, adopted in Peru in 1992. I was born in Lima, Peru in 1991 and my parents came down um, three months later after I was born and they picked up me and my sister and how that worked was uh, my parents were looking for uh, two toddlers but and they were actually looking for twins but in Peru you cannot get twins there it's illegal and I forget why but it's something has to do with the father has to be alive or something like that I don't know what was the deal and so my parents went down there in Peru in um, I think February in 1992 and they stayed there for about four weeks. And the funny thing is, when they got there, the embassy, the Peruvian embassy said, oh, we have twins for you. And my parents like, but your government doesn't allow that. What are you talking about? And they're just like, well, we made it work. And so that was kind of a shady deal. Um, and, and I'll tell you how it was, because, well, my parents, at the time, Peru was going through a lot of conflict. So my parents were there in a war. Um, this group called the Shining Path was taking over the government. There was fighting in the streets. There was kind of revolution. And then what made it worse on top of that, there was a cholera outbreak. Um, so people, you know, war, disease was happening in Peru at the time. And um, I think one of the reasons why Peru was trying to be overthrown because originally they had like a Japanese he was like half Japanese and half Peruvian, and I think the Peruvians wanted, oh, we want someone of our own race and color, like race to rule. We don't want kind of half, like a mixed blood person to come and rule our country. And so they were trying to get him out, but they ended up not doing that. Um, but anyway, so uh, my parents were there with, an Amer- with a whole bunch of other Americans that were adopting, and they went through some pretty crazy times. Um, my parents were staying at a hotel, and one night, um, just probably three or five blocks, it was probably five, five blocks away, they um, heard this big boom. It was a restaurant with one of uh, Peru's um, politicians got blown up and he died. It woke my parents up and it rattled the, um, the hotel. That's how real it was. And then a couple nights later, my parents get a knock at the door, and this was really late at night, these two people in, in hoods came with me and my sister. Here you go. Here's your kids. 
And that's kind of how it was a shady deal because they were, they were worried about, I think, first of all, if the government knew, they would take um, me and my sister away from my parents. And since they weren't supposed to have so-called twins there, they had to do it at, at that time. So it, that was really interesting for my parents because they, they just left. The people with the hoods on just left and, and my parents never saw them again. And um, So yeah, and then kind of just... When, when, as they were going through the adoption process, stuff like that, we eventually... Uh, flew home, me and my sister we were about three months old and uh, um, yeah, we came to live in Chicago, Illinois and we've both been well, yeah, we've both lived there for 22 years, it's up to me I've moved, so so it's funny, so it's like i just kind of been playing this out a little bit in my mind so Peru for three months Chicago, 22 years Denver for four months, so I like it <laughs> I like it a lot so, um, so yeah, so that's kind of how my journey began. Um, I'm actually going to share something that I don't share with a lot of people. I, um, very personal about it. Very, I, in all honesty, not a lot of people from my church back at home know it, and a lot of my close friends don't know it. I think just my family, my mom and dad, my older brother, um, my best friend and know it. Not even my brother-in-law, which he's a very good friend of mine, doesn't know this too much about this. But um, yeah, so me and my how I, how I grew up. Me and my sister were homeschooled most of our lives and until uh, seventh grade or junior high. For me, I went to public school because I needed help, and that help was I had dyslexia, and I had a very very hard case of dyslexia. I couldn't read at the age of 9 or 10. I couldn't read. I remember when I was little, uh, just reading, and I had the hardest time with reading, writing, and math. And my parents didn't know what to do. And they kept on trying, and I kept on trying, and homework became awful. It became nothing but... I feel like I'm stupid in tears. That's how I felt every single time I tried to do school. And that was, that was, um, it was hard. It was hard every day. And I remember one time, like, I didn't actually, I didn't really care at the time that if I could read or not, because it was just so hard for me. I'm like, care, I don't care. Like, who needs it? Um, until I went to this one homeschool thing. It's like where all these homeschool kids get together and they kind of do school together. Um, and one time I was going to this, and we're making, we're, we're like cooking something. So we're supposed to read the recipe, follow the recipe, and all that. And I remember this woman, she told me, oh, read this recipe out loud for us. And I said, I can't read. And then this, this girl was like, you don't know how to read? And you're, you're like 10 years old. I'm like, oh, I don't know how to read at 10. I'm like, yeah. I think that really hit in and just like, wow, I have a big problem. Um... So yeah, so learning to get over that was, um, or I just, just realizing that I had, I think I really, I had a problem. It struck me hard until um, a couple years later. But anyway, so how I, I kind of got better 
was I had to do, so like I said, like in 8th grade, or 7th grade, I went and started going to public school. But before that, I was actually going to some real specialists and learning how to read and write better and just really taking time one-on-one. Like, this is how, we're supposed, this is how you're supposed to read, this is how you're supposed to do math and, um, and spell and all that. And that was, that was pretty hard because I had to do a lot of testing, a lot of testing, a lot of mind-building, a lot of um, settling my brain and doing kind of weird exercises um, to kind of wake up my brain and, and kind of fix it where we learn, we learn this way. And we don't learn like everyone else. You have to find a way that works for you, and that's what they were trying to teach me. So I did a lot of that, and that actually helped me like tremendously. It was it was like exhausting. At, I probably was doing this tutoring for probably about four months, six hours a day, and and I and we had to, me and my mom and sister. We had to go for probably about two hours to this guy's house um, to, to get this training, and it was exhausting. And I remember just every time in the car ride home, I was just out of it. I felt like I got hit by a train every single day because I was doing intense work and stuff that I didn't like, but helped me so much in the end. And so going into high school, um, I got better, but it wasn't, it didn't go away, and I thought it would. And I kind of remember, actually in seventh grade, so I was 12 years old, I was starting to go to public school, they were still trying to help me, and I remember that for some reason I thought that, because in, in seventh grade I found out I had dyslexia and it was a severe case, and the other guy concluded it to the, my tutor, and at 12 years old, I thought I had to have I have, well, first I thought, I have dyslexia. What am I going to do about this? Well, if I plan out every single year of my life and get to all these steps, I think I could be all right. And so at 12 years old, I planned out my entire life because I thought I had to do that to be safe because I thought everyone else has their life planned out. I need to do it in advance because I have a bigger problem than they do. So I need to do it way in advance so everything goes in A, B, C, and D order. Um, That did not happen as I grew up. And so going into high school, I was in special ed, which I I didn't like that either. And I remember just, uh, like, it was funny. I I wanted to be there, and I wanted to learn, and I love to learn, and I like it. But like some of the kids I was with, they didn't really, I don't think they really had dyslexia. I think they were more um, hard kids to manage. So they put kids like that in dyslexia, in, in, I'm sorry, in special ed classes. And so it was a weird mixture of kids that just didn't really want to be there, kids that were trying to be there, and kids that were made to be there. And I felt like I was just made to be there. And I... I remember just you know signing up for classes. I had every class was in um, special ed except gym and some other stuff. And I was trying so hard to get out of it. I'm like, I don't want to be here. These kids really don't care, and I do. I want to learn about harder stuff. I want to keep testing. And um, my aide that worked with me freshman year to senior year, she just like wouldn't let it like I'd keep on testing and testing and I wouldn't get it like test right to be able to test out of it and it was very 
frustrating and um, yeah and I for the longest time I thought I was stupid completely stupid and I honestly I didn't think I was going to make it to 20 20 years old I didn't I never saw myself being 20 and being successful at all and so so after high school was over um, I started to uh, well I was very angry in high school because I had dyslexia and a little bit because I was starting to realize like I think adoption had something to do with it just I think when I was little, I knew I was adopted, but I didn't really grasp on onto it. But in high school, I remember one day it was like a, it was a great day. It was like I, I aced all my finals for like, and I'd never done that. And I just studied really, really hard. And then that weekend, like I played the cross, and I was on a indoor league. I did really good for the first year, and then just thinking like, man, I wish my my mother was here to see me like see how like see her son be successful because this is what she wanted right and that was like that concept just hit me hard I'm like man like I don't know if she's alive I don't know if she's I don't know if my brothers and sisters all this stuff kind of hit me at once and I'm like where did this come out of this came out like left field didn't even feel any of these emotions until like that day or and that was and so that kind of stayed with me for a long time of my life and so so in high school like I said I was very angry I was very bitter I did not like um I I had a hard time believing in God because I thought you know just I thought he gave me dyslexia I thought day I was born I came out of the womb God cursed me like here you go I cripple you. This is this is how I treat you. And I'm like, I was a baby. I didn't even have a fighting chance. And this is what I thought. I thought I was cursed for the rest of my life. And I was angry at God. I was angry. And I'm like, if you love me so much, why did you do this? Like, what did I do to you? And then I started kind of playing all these scenarios in my mind. Was it like, was it the sins of my father that that it's a consequence and I'm the consequence or is it like I don't know I think that was one I kept on thinking of and obviously it wasn't it and it was very hard very hard and actually towards my senior year um, I remember being in a meeting with my aide and my mom and she was my my aide said like alright I need to talk to your mom now and we need to need you to go in the other room and so um, my aide was talking with my mom and I kind of like stuck my ear to the door because I'm like, what are they saying? Because they had these meetings every year and I hated them because I'm like, they're telling me when, you know, how, how much I struggle or how much I'm doing good or whatever. I just wanted to know. I hated things being hidden from me. And so I remember listening a little bit because the door was actually cracked and I remember she said, your son will never be able to go to college. He won't make it in college. And that, that was in, my heart just sunk. I'm like, there goes my future. I'm done. There's nothing for me. I might as well just go jump in a ditch and die or join the army and die. That's what I wanted to do. And then I remember what the worst part about it was. I remember my mom came out and I saw her face. And it's like my mom, like... Because my mom really stuck with me through all the, obviously, like, 
all the training I had, all the stuff I had, and she really believed in me. And I just felt like that day, all of her faith was taken away. Like she just, the faith, like her look was just so like, my son has a problem. And that scared me to death because it's just like, you know, I think when growing up, I think we think mom and dad have the answers. Mom and dad know what to do in these situations. Mom and dad will take care of us. At that moment, my mom, I, I thought, I don't, I haven't asked her this in a long time, but I don't think she knew what to do. And that scared me. I'm like, wow, I'm this far off. Like, I'm really bad off. And so, um, just kind of, um, yeah, so going on with senior year, I turned 18. Things kind of turned around. I was kind of getting less anger and less bitter, and it was hard. I was fighting with my parents probably all the time in high school, and that was that was rough. And um, just when I turned 18, my countenance just changed. I'm like, oh, it was weird. This is what I thought. I'm like, I just turned 18. I could go to jail. But even though I, I didn't do, I wasn't like a bad kid. I wasn't like, you know, painting graffiti or like throwing beer bottles at cars or anything. I don't know. Um, I, I did get into trouble, but I didn't do like stuff like that. Um, and I just like, it just wanted me to uh, kind of like be more responsible, be a grow, be an adult. Because that's how people were telling me you need to be an adult when you're 18. And so, and so yeah, so... The end of senior year comes around, I don't graduate, I don't walk, and they wanted me to repeat another year, and we were, me and my family were at a vacation, we always go to Minnesota in July to go fishing, and I remember just thinking like, I don't want to go back to high school, I want to move on with my life, I want to keep on moving, I can't go back there, if I go back there, I will not make progress to graduate in 2011, because I grad, I I was supposed to graduate in 2010, which I did because I, I went and told my mom and dad this, like, Mom, Dad, I cannot do this anymore. And so they came up, they were talking about it, and we were looking at a community college for me to get in and test into, and they actually, how I got my diploma was, since I was homeschooled, the state of Illinois will let people that homeschool, you can graduate from homeschool. It, it's weird, and I don't know all the politics around it, and I know all, not all the states do this, so I, my mom and dad gave me a diploma, and um, a GED, whatever you call it. Um, and so that's, that's how I really graduated. I didn't graduate from my high school. Um, I graduated from homeschool. So, um, so yeah, so, and actually just, I was praying to God a lot at that time. I was like, God, I really want to go to college. I really want to make something myself. I want to be successful. I want to be all these good things. Um, and so somehow I got in. Um, I just, um, I didn't, I, I felt like I worked hard, but I feel like I didn't. I don't know. And somehow I got in, and I'm like, yes, finally, I'm in college. Let's go. Let's do this. Freshman year was pretty hard. Um, I wanted to do business management. Turned out, it was like, uh, it was boring classes. I wasn't really interested. In, and the only reason I wanted to do business because I'm like, well, I'm a failure. Now I get to go in college. Now I get to be better. Let's go into business management. Someone told me you made a lot of money from business management. I'm like, all right, I want to be rich. I want to be like just rich and all that. 
hated you know business management. So I sophomore year I really didn't know what I was doing. I was just take still taking my uh, credits and all that until like um, someone was telling me, well you you work out a lot and you you like helping people work out. Like you should be a like a trainer, like an exercise science major. And I'm like really. I'm like yeah. Like I didn't like. That's, you can go to school for that? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you should do it. And I'm like, okay. And I looked into it, and I changed my major to that. And um, I think how I got into that, in high school, I, like I said, I played lacrosse. And um, there was one year, excuse me, I, I couldn't play because I was still, um, I like my freshman year, I was taking like eight classes. I wasn't taking the full load. So my freshman, freshman year I didn't play. So sophomore, junior, and senior year I could play. And so I was just, I wasn't that, that great. I was, tried to, I was trying to always be good at my position and trying to work out and trying to run faster than other people, hit harder, kind of play with a grudge on my shoulder because I was like one of the shortest defenders. And everyone, I was guarding people that were like 6'1", 6'2", and I'm like, this is hard, but got to still do it. So I came kind of from that background after high school. And I really liked working out, and I really liked, like, I remember our coach made us do hundreds. I actually liked that. Everyone hated it. For some reason, I liked it. I don't know why. And so um, I was just really good at physical activity, and I loved it, and I felt like I was accomplishing things. Because I, I could see, like, in the classroom, I couldn't see progress. In the weight room, I could. Just because the longer you're there, the heavier you train, the faster you run, you get faster, you get bigger, you get results, and you can see them. Reading and writing, I didn't see results because I was always getting C's or D's, some, um, and, and I didn't feel successful. So um, in college, I actually it got better because I was working harder, and I think God was really showing me that... Um, that I gave you dyslexia not to cripple you, but so you would rely on me and not your own. And that I would rely on God and not myself. Because I was, I was relying on myself every day. And I'm like, I want to get to this place. I want to do this. It's got to be me. And God was, in his lightly gentle way, he was saying, no, you can, you and me can do it together, but you can't do this by yourself. And I think at one point, he, I feel like he said, "You and you, you know that." And I'm like, "Yeah, I can't, I can't do it by myself." And so, as years went by, um, God was changing my attitude. Uh, he was changing my way of thinking. I was relying on God, and I thought, "Okay, it, it's okay to be weak. It's okay to rely on God because." I think I didn't like to because relying on God so much, I felt that was weak. If I can't control things myself, then I shouldn't have anybody else helping me. That's how I felt. But God was the one that I think told me, Josh, you're not stupid. I didn't give you this to cripple you. I gave you this to, for you to, um, to be humble before me. I'd never said that you couldn't go to college, and I never said that you um, would be uh, a burden. And my way of thinking just kept changing, and I'm just like, 
I think probably last year and really this year, I've been kind of really owning up to, yeah, I have dyslexia. But it's, and I think one, one teacher in high school really told me that this does not define who you are. This does not define you as a person. Yes, you live with it every day. Yes, it is a struggle. But don't let people judge you by this way. And so I took that to heart all through life with me. And this other teacher too, my choir teacher actually, he was helping me a lot too. And he was just like, you can do this. You can go far. You can have hope if you work hard. And um, I started junior year, I actually got a 3.2. So that was like the best I ever did. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. I'm like, I never thought I could do that. And then the next, next uh, like that spring semester, I didn't, I did all right, didn't do so hot. But I remember just after that semester, I was dead tired. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this again. This is exhausting. This is tough. And I, I kind of at the time too, like I thought college literally had all the answers. You go to college, get your four-year degree, get your master's, go to grad school, you're successful. People look at you in a different way. But, and actually from where I'm from, that's kind of the norm. Because Glen Ellen is a very, it's a very rich town. It's a very town, it's a town that has high standards. All the kids in my, like from junior high to high school, all were in AP classes. There's no such thing as anything else. Everyone was in AP classes. And everyone went to University of Illinois, Notre Dame, Northwestern, Ohio State, whatever, University of Iowa, and here's me, I'm going to community college. It was actually, actually it's like the second best community college actually in the country. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing really, but um, so yeah, so I thought um, I had to be all that to be successful. And then just really God showing me, no, you don't. And you don't learn the way all these other kids learn. And that's okay. That's how I want you. That's how I accept you. That's how I love you. And I just, I, I think I remember just sharing this to a friend and just kind of really pouring my heart out. Heart out. And he was just like, afterwards, he told me, like, you're not stupid, Josh. And I literally just started crying and being so overwhelmed because... I thought it was so stupid. And to hear that from a good friend turned my countenance upside down. And, and it changed me because it was like, okay, God's right. I don't have a crutch. So let's do something about it. Let's work hard. And so I think for the last year and a half, my motto is work hard every day, day grind, trust in God, believe in God, give to Him what is His, and give to, kind of like that verse Jesus was saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to me what is me. And I try to live by that verse every day. And, um, and I feel like how I'm going to have my dreams accomplished is by hard work and not by school. And so kind of how I moved out here was, so it was the end of my junior year. I was, I was really kind of tired of school too. I wanted to just started to make money and just realizing, well, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And I was about to transfer to La Crosse University, which is in Wisconsin for their exercise program, which was very good. 
that I'm like, and they wanted me to go, I think I was going to start with a zero GPA. They wanted me to go two years and then another year to get my master's. I'm like, my master's? Like, <laughs> that was just like, because I remember my dad studying for his master's. He's like, it's, too, it's, it's like insanely hard, especially, you know, for someone with like dyslexia. He wasn't like saying that, like, oh, you won't be able to do it. He was saying that to kind of educate me. And I'm like, first of all, I, I was going to have to pay for school. Second, I didn't know how I was going to pay for school after I graduated. And they're like, all right, we want you to go to get your master's. And so I'm like, forget that. I'm not going to play to their game. I'm, I want to do what I want to do, kind of. Like, I want to, you know, start training. And you don't have to have a degree to be a personal trainer, actually. Um, I wanted to work with football teams, like college teams. That, you, you do have to have, like, a master's. But... I just wanted to help people train, help athletes, help people with obesity, just lose weight and change their lives. Because I saw how kind of working out kind of made me strong and kind of made me disciplined and healthy in my life. I wanted to give that back because I was good at that. Um, and so I did what I loved. And so I was talking to a coworker of mine back at home. And they're like, well, if you really want to like go for this, you should go to Colorado. I'm like, really? Why there? Like, well, the Olympic Circle's there. People from California are moving out their gyms here. Like, the competition is like so high here. The trainers like are crazy in shape. Like Boulder, all the best bikers are there. Like, you gotta go. Like, if you want to like kind of work your way up in the ladder, you gotta go to Colorado. I'm so like, huh? So I started chewing on that for a while. And funny thing is, eight years ago, um, I actually came to uh, Colorado. I went to um, the Fort Collins, and I actually was visiting that church because there was an LT going on, um, and I loved it. I fell in love with, um, it was the mountains, of course, right? I mean, of course it's the mountains. And then, ever since then, it just haunted me, like, oh, Colorado, the mountains, bluer skies, fresh air, not like Chicago, like just hated it, just like two city, like even though like Chicago is not that big of a city. Um, and so, and so I just remember, like remembered, oh Colorado, I loved it so much there. And wow, exercise, like exercise science, like the best people work here, the best athletes in the world train here. And I'm like, I'm going to go to Colorado. I'm going to go and work hard. I'm going to go and do what I have to do. And I started praying, praying actually um, in February, last February, and really just, you know, I actually, funny thing, I've been, I was praying to God for three years after I got out of high school of like, what do you want me to do? Like, I want to do something different. I want to become more of a man. I want to become more, like, reliant on, I just kind of taking care of myself because I saw all my other friends go off to college and leave and I was still at home and that wasn't a great feeling because I still like saw my friends parents oh you're still here like what happened and I'm like going to community college and stuff like that and I'm like I hated it and so I was really hungry and ambitious and just itching to do something for three years and just I prayed for three months like I said and God's like okay um I think it's time for you to be away from your parents. I think you and me need to further our relationship because it got better. And you need to rely on me. And we, it needs to be you and me. Not you and me and dad and mom. It needs to be you and me. And so I'm like, all right. And I, um, 
I said, okay, I'm going to Colorado. I gave him my two weeks, and I was starting to call. I, I think I called, like, the Loveland Church. I did call Fort Collins. I called another church, I forgot, that wasn't Great Commission. And then I called the Firehouse. And so, actually, the funny thing, I called the Firehouse first. I went online. I saw the... Um, the website, I'm like, huh, Firehouse sounds kind of cool. And so I'm like, I wonder what's fiery about it. I don't know what's, I don't know why I thought that. And then <laughs> the first person I talked to was Greg. And, I'm, and Greg was just so welcoming and just so nice. And then after I got off the phone, I'm like, man, he's really cool. I could go here. And I didn't actually call anyone else because I had like a whole list. So I'm like, forget it. And so, um, and they didn't call me back. Actually, Greg was the only person I talked to. I called all the other churches, none of them. I didn't talk to any of them. Um, and so, Greg, I was talking to Greg and for about two weeks. And he's like, well, we have this guy, Tyler, that's uh, actually looking for a roommate and um, stuff like that. I'll give you his number. And so, I talked to Tyler and... Um, stranger to stranger and I was telling this to all my friends and co-workers like you're just talking to a random stranger like would you find him off of Craigslist I'm like no I, I'm sure he's okay and stuff like that and one of my friends like I don't know man you may not come back from Colorado you might die one of those weird, weird ways because of your roommate and I'm like where are you getting this and so <laughs> it was funny but uh, yeah and so I was really talking I was just talking to Tyler and Greg and um we made it work. Um, the first day I got here, which was June 1st, uh, I remember just driving into Denver. I'm like, wow, I'm actually here. And I was actually pretty scared because I'm like, wow, I actually did it. I'm 100 or I'm 1,000 miles away from home. I actually, when I, like when I got out of my car, when I stepped, actually my car was like right here. When I stepped out of here, I'm like, wow, I actually did it. And I got scared. And I'm like... And I actually, I think I like, nah, I think I threw the key away. I like my car key. And I'm like, later on, I'm like, why did I do that? I don't know. And then um, just me and Tyler got along. We, uh, we, looked, we, were had, we had to wait for our apartment to open up. But just our relationship that we built, I really think that God brought, honestly, him in my life to, for this to work. And he brought Greg into my life. And... Honestly, guys, I, 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 I don't know how to thank the both of you for being so generous and trusting a stranger and welcoming someone else from Great Commission that you don't even know. Uh, I owe a lot to you guys. I seriously do. Um, so, yeah, I met them. And I've, ever since I got to Colorado, almost, I want to say a good 50% of the things I wanted to have happened have happened. Um, there's another 50 that needs to uh, hasn't happened yet and I've had some disappointment but I think it's really just God saying you need to wait keep working hard keep grinding every day keep trusting in me but you need to wait because you're not there yet and I'm like okay so I'm actually I still haven't done what I wanted to do and love to do in my passion um, I'm actually taking a test that will um, I'm studying to, um, to take a test to be a personal trainer and um, it's called ACE. It's, it stands for like American Council of Exercise. It's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty high um, credential. Like a sorry, no, not credential. Like certificate. So um, <clears throat> I've been studying that for a while, and um, my goal is to, tr- to try to become a get this with next year. So 2015, I hope to be a trainer. 
applying to gyms and getting going. Um, like I said, I've had some hard time with that because uh, the competition is pretty high here. There's trainers that know so much more than I do that are they know their stuff and here's me trying to play with the big boys when I'm not I not quite yet know everything but it's like yeah I don't know but I think God's been really saying just you need you and me need to you need to rely on me Josh don't rely on yourself you need to give to me what is me and I will give to you the desires of your heart and uh, one verse actually two verses I'm going to share um, let me find him here. Uh, hang on one minute. Yes, so this is in Proverbs 13, verse 4. It says, Lazy people want much, but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. And and there's another verse in here that I won't read. It, it basically says, like, um, you can daydream and you can hope things like what you want will just come to you, but it won't come unless you do the work. And back at home, I daydreamed all the time about being a successful personal trainer, about training the biggest athletes in the world, and it didn't come true until kind of I decided, like, we need to move out here. And there's so much work I have to do um, before all that can happen, and I'm trying to be patient. And God's really showing me how to be patient. And so that helps. And another verse that, um, it's my life verse actually. It's a verse my mom gave to me. And uh, didn't actually like it because I felt like I, it's in, um, it's in Joshua 1. Since I didn't like it because I thought, for years I thought I had to own up to my name. And I'm like, where's my Jericho? Like, Or how many, like, I don't want to lead 10,000s of people to do something big or I don't know it was a lot of pressure but uh, <laughs> even though I'm not called to do that at all um, but then kind of just probably three years ago just as like my struggles were coming um, I was starting to accept them and be good um, at just owning it and not lying to people about it or whatever I just kind of believed in this verse and I've been reading this verse in every interview I've been going to this year or this summer. So it says, um, this is in Joshua 1.9, it says, this is my commandment. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I find at times when I am afraid or I feel like I am, I'm incapable of doing jobs or tasks that I'm giving at work or studying, I feel like God's saying, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? There's nothing like, you are my son. Why are you afraid? And, and I step back, like, why am I afraid? Like, having dyslexia is so small to God, and it is just not even, like, it's not even worth his time because it is so small, and he can take care of it. He can, he, I mean, he could change it if he wants to, but, um, and I think I just really learned to see it that way instead of my way. Like, God can change this, or God can take care of this for me. I don't have to take care of it anymore. And that feeling like of surrender is good. It is like it's relieving. I'm like this year I've been really trying to like I guess tell more of like my story I guess of having dyslexia because I'm comfortable with it. You know I've I've made some strives. I have I so I've work to do and I'm 
I'm comfortable with with it. You know, I'm not disabled, I guess, and I thought I was. Um, but yeah, so the reason I believe in God is simply because I can't do it without God. I can't live life without God. I wouldn't be the person I am without God. I wouldn't be kind to other people. I wouldn't be um, patient with other people. Because I saw, that I, I've met people, obviously, um, back in high school that are worse off than me. And that my te- I remember just teachers being so like, what do we do with this kid? He's just struggling so bad. And I remember just having compassion on him and just loving them. I'm like, hey, like, like you'll get there. Just keep working or whatever. Or just like, it's okay. And um, I don't think I would have been, be, been like that if I didn't really come back to God and... Um, kind of surrendered this to him. And I actually, I, I grew up as a Christian. I got saved when I was seven or eight. But just kind of the, going through this, it's kind of not, I didn't really, really come to God. I was kind of far away. I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian, I think. And then kind of in high just like in college, I kind of rededicated my life to God. And um, just really, I'm going to give you my life. I haven't given you my life. Here it is. And so I just, I simply believe because... I can't do without God, and He has brought me through so much, and He's the only one I serve. He's the only king I will bow down to, and He's the only person I'll really take orders from. Like, I actually I actually just got a job last week, and it, it's great. Things are going good. These are my bosses, but sometimes I'm like, I sometimes I just, weirdly, I remember, like, who are you really going to obey? It's God. So... So that's my story. So, yeah. Um, any questions? Yeah. I had a question. Yeah. First, I'll put in a plug for my prayer finding service. <laughs> 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 I gotta call you Craigslist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, it's serious. I have a question. Um, sort of hit a little bit there briefly on being adopted and kind of those feelings coming back yeah. with my mom and that. You, maybe you haven't, but have you come to any kind of resolution or discovery? No, um, because I actually, um, I've been wanting to kind of. I haven't really told my parents this so much because I think it's, they don't want me to get disappointed, but there's been a long desire where I've wanted to meet my real mother or father. I think actually, because I remember reading my adoption papers a long time ago and my father was not in the picture. Or he was, but there were too many children and they couldn't take care of me and my sister. So I've actually had a long desire of meeting of trying to find her. But the, the thing with that is the adoption agency that my parents worked with in Illinois is actually gone. So my parents, for that to happen, they need to go get a hold of them and those people need to get a hold of the other people that kind of brought it into the process. Um, and so that that's hard. But there's, there's actually tons of ways you can find your missing relatives or whatever. And I want to go back to Peru. Um... I made it a point, or tried to, I want to go back for him 25, just, 
I don't know why I just picked that number, but um, and I've wanting to go back. I don't know if I will f find her, but I just want to go back to know my culture, just to know my my people, because I feel like there's sometimes I get these feelings like. You know, because I think a lot of times we'll see a personality in our mom or personality in our dad. <clears throat> and I do have both sides of my parents' personalities um, that pop up. But sometimes things will pop up randomly and I'll act, react to them. And I'm like, Where, who did that come from? Like, who, what is this? And I, it's something, it's, a, it's like a bean or something I don't know. And I'm like, that must be my mom and dad. I don't know. It must be something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I've been wanting to do it and to go and find them or my mother. And I, I probably have brothers and sisters, maybe nieces and nephews somewhere in Lima, Peru, or uh, somewhere else farther in Peru. But yeah, I've been wanting to to go and meet them. Yeah. Any other questions? You can ask me anything, and I might have an answer. So, and I didn't. I actually didn't share. Like, I actually jotted a lot of things down. I was going to share, but I think that was just the spirit leading me. So, if you want to ask me, like, how I became, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, Zach. You mentioned getting saved when you were young. Yeah, I do actually. Um, <clears throat> I didn't actually hit on that. Um, so I, yeah, I got saved around. Uh, I think I was eight, and so um, my family. We didn't. My family actually didn't. We come from Great Commission, so we come from another church in um, West Chicago. It's the West Chicago Great Commission Church. Um, <clears throat> so my family came to that right when they got me and my sister, and we we've been going to um, West Chicago Church. It's called Glen Arbor forever. And so um, I grew, always grew up with the Christian influence in my home and just um, going to church all the time. And um, so I got saved around eight or nine. I, um, I didn't really understand. Obviously, I didn't understand because I was too young to really know what it means to give your life to God. And so I always thought that I was forced to go to church. I was forced to um, believe in something that I didn't fully understand. And it, it was weird. One, like I, I think at a young age, I did have a good relationship with God. But in high school, it just turned around where I, didn't, I wasn't denying I was a Christian, but I wasn't living how a Christian should live. In high school, I just wanted to you know, be cool and be popular. And I wasn't any of those things. And, you know, I... Um, wanted to be but it just didn't happen um and just uh yeah so I think kind of in college I came to conclusion just like I said turning 18 um I remember one of our pastor's older sons is like hey we're actually starting a, a college group in our church kind of like the rock like back in the day and I'm like oh really like wow I really like I remember going to the rock when I was a little kid like I loved it and he's like, yeah, so we're going to start that up. He's like, it'd be great if you'd want to join up with this. And then, and he's like, oh my, okay, let's do it. And so actually kind of staying with my, or going through that, our Bible study, our, our college group, I kind of really rededicated my life to God because I saw everyone else do it around me, and I was very attracted by that. And um, 
I kind of, yeah, like, rededicated my life to God. And I think when I was, like, 20, um, just saying I want to live for God. And I kind of came back to, to God in my early 20s. So, yeah, that answers your question. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? I guess you were just there. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Thank you.